And uh, but this morning, um, I just have a message, and uh, Cole's going to follow up with this next week. We're going to be we get to fly out on Tuesday to see our brand new granddaughter. Uh, she'd be brand new to us. She was born in November, and. Uh, but it'd be brand new that we get to little see little Damaris Joy and uh, and and little Aurora, and uh, so we're excited about that and uh, to be with them. So Aurora's going to be two. We have her birthday while they're out there, where she's turning two, and uh, be there. And next Sunday I'll be preaching uh, at the church where my uh, son Austin is on staff at, and uh, so that'd be fun preaching in Gettysburg at Intersection Church. That'd be a blast. Amen. And then they're going to dedicate our granddaughters while we're there. So that's all awesome. So praise the Lord. So a great weekend next weekend. And, and so Pastor Colby ministering and, and tag teaming on God's need of men. But 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2 says this. And the things you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be other able to teach others also. Father, I thank you in these next few moments that you would give clarity of speech and clarity of understanding. Father, that I would speak clearly what your word declares to us as men and as women, your need and your necessity of how you've set your plan to work through us in the earth. And so, Father, today, let our eyes be able to see, our ears be open to hear, and our hearts receive your truth in Jesus' name. Somebody said? Amen. So just before I dive into this, actually when you read the scriptures, you find that God has always had a necessity for men. And the Word of God really is the story of God finding men and using men for His glory. That's really what the Bible declares to us. And uh, so the theme I had for this is the devil's greatest fear is men becoming men of God. Or men and women finding out and understanding that we're created in the image of God. Because being created in God's image, God has given us authority over the enemy. How many know Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, go in my name. I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Amen? So it gives us power and authority. So the devil's greatest fear is you and I learning to walk in the image that we are created in in God and exercise the authority that we have in God. And primarily, and, and, and I know this is counter to our culture, but I could give a flying rip what our culture thinks. I refuse to be biblically correct. I want to, I mean, uh, politically correct. Yeah. I refuse to be biblically correct. I would rather be politically accurate. No, that, yeah. I refuse to be biblically. I can say that. Amen. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do in second service, let alone get through this service. Yeah, yeah there you go. I'll say it the other way. We may never be politically correct, but we will all be scripturally, always be scripturally accurate. Amen. And so that's what we're after. And so if you guys will edit that on the video, then that'll be awesome. <laughs> Amen. But why is being a man of God so important? Because first of all, after God created man, the second thing that he did is give man a wife. He said it wasn't good for, me, for man to be alone, so he gave him a helpmeet and a wife. 
And then out of that union, God ordained family. God created man and he created woman for the purpose of family. And the thing that's most important in all of our lives is families. Families produce communities. And communities produce nations. And a nation is only as strong as its family. Communities are only as strong as the family. Let me give you a couple of statistics. Um, this is from uh, the National Center for Fathering. Uh, it just says that children from fatherless homes are more likely to be poor, become involved in drug and alcohol abuse, drop out of school, and suffer from health and emotional problems. Children in fatherless homes or single parent homes with a, 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 a mother and female head of household are 46% more times to be in poverty. The poverty level is almost 50% higher. Four times, almost five times higher. That's amazing. Amen? When it comes to drug abuse, the Department of Health and Service, Human Services states fatherless children are dramatically at greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse. Hall abuse. There are significantly more drug abuse among children who do not live with their mother and their father. Physical and emotional health. A study of almost 2,000 children aged three and older living with a residential father or father figure found that children living with married biological parents or adopted parents had significantly fewer externalizing and internalizing behavioral problems than children living with at least one non, non-biological parent. Excuse me. <clears throat> also, the, uh, there's other data that states, uh, well, let me see this. Yeah. The next is, so in, in that emotional level, poverty level affects our emotions, it affects poverty in our life. The next is the educational achievement. Children in grades 7 through 12 who lived with at least one biological parent uh, that experienced divorce, separation, or a non-birth reported lower grades uh, point of average than those who have always lived with both biological parents. Children living with unmarried biological father tested at a significantly higher level than those living with a living with a biological father higher than a non-biological father. Father involvement in schools is associated with the higher likelihood of student getting mostly A's. This was true for fathers in biological parent families or stepfathers and for fathers heading up single parent family. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless. Wow. Fatherless children have more trouble academically scoring poorly on tests in reading, mathematics, and thinking skills and crime from... Uh, and. Uh, skills. Children from father absent homes are more likely to be truant from school, more likely to be excluded from school, more likely to leave school at age 16, and less likely to obtain academic and professional qualifications in adulthood. Fifthly is crime. Adolescents living in intact families are less likely to engage in delinquency than their peers living in non-intact family. A study using data from the National Long... <coughs> 
excuse me, longitudinal study of adolescence health, explored the relationship between family structure and risk of violent acts in neighborhoods. The result revealed that if the number of fathers is low in a neighborhood, then there is an increase in acts of teen violence. Statistical data showed that 1% increase is a proportion in single-parent families home in neighborhoods and associated with the 3% increase in adolescence level of violence. It's just amazing. A study of 109 juvenile, 109 juvenile offenders indicated that family structure significantly predicts delinquency. They say, Pastor, why are you reading that? Because the enemy knows that if you can attack the home, you can take down a society. And fathers represent our Heavenly Father to us. It's really hard for people coming into a relationship with Christ if we haven't had a good relationship with our natural father to really understand our Heavenly Father. How many know what I'm saying? That is so important for us to get. Lastly, a sexual activity in teen pregnancy. A study using an example of 1,409 rural adolescents 851 females and 558 males, ages 11 to 18, uh, investigated the correlation between father absence and self-reported sexual activity. The results revealed that adolescents in father-absent homes were more likely to report being sexually active compared to adolescents living with their father. Being raised in a single, by a single mother raises the risk of teenage pregnancy, marrying with less than high school degree, and forming a marriage where both partners have less than a high school degree. And so the reason I'm saying that, and even for the church, we talked about it in our home group, and, and why is church community so important? Why is family so important? In the breakdown of our society today and our culture today, one of the greatest things that the church can do is be a community that helps homes. Amen. And helps families. Uh, being in a life group, being in a home group, ha having a Bible study in a home, kids and families coming together, studying the scriptures in a home and seeing what a home environment, a godly home environment is supposed to look like and even being able to model that or even come alongside and add support to that. We have single moms that need support. We, we, that's why we have part of the Boys and Girls Club or, or, or part of things that people do and going along and helping kids who don't have a father, being there and mentoring. That's why being involved in children's ministry. Children's ministry is more than Bible story. Sometimes when a couple is teaching it in a, in a Sunday school classroom, they're, they're modeling for a child and they're having an impact on a child that's maybe filling a gap that they wouldn't receive help for in any other way. Can you say amen this morning? So it's just so important and so significant. And so Paul said that God was looking for men. He's instructing Timothy. So I want to look at your outline. I want to walk through this. I'm not going to dilly-dally over every point or spend a lot of time. But there's a reason, I believe, Jesus went after men. And I believe this, that, 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 that I don't care, like I said, about being politically correct. I understand about all the rights. I believe in equal wages. I believe in all that stuff. But there's something that happens when men are men. That makes women, women. When men are men, women are free to be women. I, I'll give you a statement. Catherine Kuhlman said this. She says, the reason I'm here standing here doing what I'm doing today is because a man would not answer the call of God. 
And many times there are women who are standing up a taking role that is not their natural place to be. They're doing things that a man should be, but because there's been such an attack by the devil against men being men of God and being created in the image of God the way God created them, we have to go on the attack. And I believe we have to regain some ground and take back the ground that belongs to men. Amen. We're looking at the, at the demasculization of our society. We're seeing men. I, I, I like what uh, Mark Gunger calls it. He calls it a wussification of America. So I agree with that. But we need men, and we need men of God. John, uh, you're there, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Turn back over to verse 7. Look at what it said. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So what kind of men does God make? God makes fearless men, though we don't always start there. Secondly, God makes strong men even through our weaknesses. Thirdly, God makes loving men by loving us first. And fourthly, God makes sound men by giving us the foundation of his word to build our lives upon. So God, when he comes into our life, he says, Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. And those are qualities that God wants inside of every man. That men would be men of, uh, that would be fearless men, we would be strong men. And we would be loving and sound men. Now Paul, in 2 Timothy, as we read in chapter 2 and verse 2 there, Paul has given a charge to Timothy. He's taken Timothy, he's mentored him, he's raised him up. And now he's set him in a place and given him authority. He's giving him instruction. And he's telling him to teach others what Paul had taught him, who in turn will be able to teach others. That's a cycle that we live in. Our fathers taught us, and then we're supposed to teach our children. If you read through the Old Testament, especially in Deuteronomy, God has given the people the law. He says, guys, this is what you're doing. He's really talking to the Father. He says, you're going to sit down in your homes, and you're going to have the Word of God in your home, and you're going to cause that to go from one generation to the next generation. Are you listening to me? That's so important for us to get a hold of. In, in this charge, we learn how the Lord's church is to propagate itself and the church because and the church is families and families make communities I said and communities make nations those who are taught teaching others that's what we're supposed to be every one of us Hebrews chapter 5 says this by this time you ought to be teachers by this time, you should be teachers. Or in other words, every person, every believer, every follower of Christ, we need to be growing. We need to have the desire to grow to the place that we could help somebody else. In other words, Jesus said it like this. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. The only way to make disciples is to teach somebody how to live for God. So Jesus is really saying, go into all the world and teach people how to live in relationship with God. And so, but God needs men who will step up and take that role. But there's been such an attack, and culture is so stripping things away, but I believe the church is the greatest place for men to rise up and regain ground. Amen? And so that's what we're fighting for. That's what we're believing for. Think about it. And then it's a continual cycle of learning and teaching. This is a very effective and quite adequate method, but it works only when the right kind of men are to be found. Paul is following the pattern of Christ in calling out men and raising them up to carry the banner of the kingdom forward, like Moses onto Joshua. And this is something to understand. <coughs> every generation and every leader has a different mantle. 
were not in competition. Moses brought them out, but Joshua was supposed to lead them in. And when transition comes, there's a time, and many times we have that and we function differently, but learning how to do that, but it goes from one generation to the next generation, and God uses men in every area to make his kingdom advance. So look inside your outline. God needs faithful men. He said, Timothy, commit these things to faithful men. What does that mean? Men that are faithful to the Lord, just as the Lord himself was faithful as Moses. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 2 that says that Jesus was faithful unto God's call upon his life in the same way that Moses was faithful to the Lord. And this is just as Paul himself was counted faithful. 1 Timothy 1 verse 12, Paul says, I thank God that he counted me faithful, placing me in the ministry. And that's what happened. If God can find faithful men, he will commit things into their trust. And things that bring advancement and increase into his kingdom. You know, I'll just be real real honest with you for me, and I talked about it a while back. I forget who I was talking with, but there's a thing. We we were with Pastor Fred and Cindy Benzel in Lincoln um, last week or or Monday night of this last week and uh, just fellowshipping with them and walking through their facility and getting some ideas for things that for here and that and, and, and comparing our ideas against others. And we've been through several facilities in that for moving forward. But uh, we were just sitting down and we were talking about life and experiences. And because of me, things I've had to process through because I didn't have a father in the home. So I had to go out and find father figures. Amen. I did. I'd go out and find. So I've, I've always liked older men, grandpa age men. I still do. I find somebody like three years older than me. Okay, yeah, I can learn from you. Amen. It doesn't have, especially now at my age, I just look at everybody. and I, So anyway... <laughs> But moving that, but but see, I dealt with that in a different way, and 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 I would go out and find that help. I have one sibling. I have one brother's in Oklahoma. He's just about two years older than me, nineteen months older than me. He dealt with that totally differently. He he was internal and extroverted, and he didn't, and it has affected him his whole life. But at the same way, I got to where, hey, you know what? I had a self-preserving attitude in me, and I got to where, hey, you know what? I don't, you know, if, if you don't want to be around me, I don't need you. So I kind of adapted a, a self-defense mechanism in me that I don't need you. I'll go find somebody else. And I have to be real careful. I fight through this all the time because that gets ingrained in you in your childhood. That becomes a part of your nature. And then as you're processing through life and working with people, if people transition, things come and go, you can too easily cut people off. So person, I'm just sharing being I'm just being real with me how important fatherhood is. Because I, I had a dad, but he was never there in my life. My parents divorced it too. I had a stepfather who came into my life at six, a great provider, an awesome guy, provided wonderfully. But as far as interaction and teaching and doing that and being a father and that role model, never there. It, it, that part wasn't him. He just worked. His identity was his job. And I love my, both my dads. But, but, but something in them, they weren't able to give that or provide that. So I had to find that someplace else. And then fortunately for me, when I got saved, God began putting senior men in my life, older men in my life, to be mentors to me, to be fathers to me in the Lord. And then I sought them out. I had one pastor that I would go have lunch with every week. 
And I just, I just wanted, man, pour out. I, I feel a call of God in my I need somebody who's walked this out to speak into my life. Amen. But we need that. And so faithful men who are faithful to the Lord, just as the Lord himself was faithful to Moses. And then that, that's what Paul did with Timothy. He raised him up, and then he passed that on. But then men who are faithful to the word, holding fast a pattern of sound words in love and faith, challenging or skilling uh, sh- sh- the, the the challenge of our day is holding fast that go with me to second timothy chapter one and look at verses 13 and 14 paul said to timothy hold fast the pattern of sound word which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in christ the good thing which was commanded to you keep by the holy spirit who dwells in you. Today, we see a lot of different things. When it comes just to sound doctrine, we see a lot of things changing. We see foundational truths being changed right now. I mean, major foundational truths that are a challenge to our family. Amen. In fact, just on this, and I'm a little bit ahead of myself, but just on this, on identity, especially gender identity. Look at the whole thing we're going through in our nation today on gender identity. And there's actually being laws passed or trying to be pushed through right now in our state to keep anybody from counseling anybody or helping anybody who wants to transition out of a non-natural gender lifestyle. Making it against the law and to, to do that, which is actually the first step to being able to shut down the church. Amen. And so that's the challenge of our day. Secondly, continuing in the things that you have heard. Paul told Timothy, stay in the things you've heard. So we need men who preach the truth of God and practice what they preach. Could you agree? And then thirdly, men who are faithful to the church. We need men who are faithful to the Lord, faithful to the word, and faithful to the church. Their own brothers and sisters among whom they will serve the Lord on their behalf. Connecting and serving, being faithful to the house of God. Knowing that everything, God ordained that life would flow out of his house. And when the, when, when the family's strong, the church is strong. And that's why people say, well, why is children's ministry so, so important in that? Because when families are strong, the church is strong amen and so we want to invest in that secondly serving their brethren like Epaphras did for the Colossians Colossians 1 said your your dear brother Epaphras who has faithfully served you in representing you praise the Lord men whom the local church can trust and depend upon I, I, I like what the commentator Gill said about this in other words who do not only have who not only have received the grace of God and are true believers in Christ but are men of great uprightness and integrity who having the word will speak it out boldly and faithfully and keep back nothing that is profitable will speak it out excuse me profitable but be, declare the whole counsel of God without any mixture or adulteration for the gospel is being committed to their trust and they would become stewards, and of such it is required that they be faithful, and therefore this is mentioned as, a, as necessary and requisite qualification in them. So Paul said being faithful men, and so this is Gil's commentary on this passage, but these things are committed to your trust, and then you're going to protect it and preserve it, and then to pass it on to the next generation or those who are following. Amen? 
You know, something that's been uh, kind of intimidating to me and challenging to me over the years is how many young men have come along. And over the years, young men have told me and written me letters and written me cards saying, Pastor, thank you for being there. I never had a father figure in my life. And so they struggled. And then you go back and you look at many of the things and many of the challenges in our homes, in our marriages, and everywhere in society and on our jobs, every place. Fatherhood is such an important value. And God raises up men to be great fathers. Can you say amen? amen. So think about it. God, secondly, God needs teachable men. He needs faithful men. And then he needs teachable men. Men who are willing to be taught by others. That's something that's not popular today. We don't want to be taught by anybody. Everybody thinks their opinion is the right opinion. But that isn't the way it works. Willing to be taught by others. Unless men are willing to be taught, God's method won't work. Timothy himself provides a good example. Willing first to be taught by his mother and his grandmother. Verse 5, Paul writes there, <coughs> When I call to remembrance the faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, I am persuaded also is in you. Now, I want you to catch a picture. Paul isn't referencing his father. He's referencing his mother and his grandmother. And Paul is rising up and asking as a father to Tim. He calls him son Timothy. So Paul is stepping in and filling a void and mentoring a young man who doesn't have a godly role in his life how important is it for us as men of God in the local church to step up and to fill that void and to hell because sometimes if we can get a young person that's going through that tragedy and we can help them to walk in healing and wholeness then maybe that God can use that young person to reach their father who has been absent in their life and Lord willing bring reconciliation that relationship and down the road make the family whole again Amen. And so God can use us, but there's something that we have to see a necessity in our life. God doesn't need men who just come and hear a sermon and do things. And God doesn't need men. I got so mad one time when we were pastoring in Bieber. I've never gotten mad since I've been here, but in Bieber, I got mad. But we had a, I had a gentleman there, and, and, and he came every Sunday. He just sat on the front row. He would never open his Bible, and, and, and they were about, I don't know, they, they were in their late 50s. They were younger than I am now at that time, and so there, there they are. And, and they would always sit on the second row right, right on the edge there, the pews in the church. And, and, and so one day I'm preaching, I'm looking, and he would never have a Bible, never have it open, and, and, uh, but his wife always carried the Bible and did that. And, and I said, Bud, where's your Bible? I said, Mama's got it. And, and, and I kind of went off in a polite way. But, but see, men, we've relinquished everything to mama. Mama carries the Bible. Mama raised the kids. Mama prays with the kids. Mama does all that. They don't need mama doing everything. They need daddy doing some stuff. Are you with me? They, they should see dad carrying the Bible. They should see dad waking everybody up, taking them to the church. They should see dad leading them in the path of righteousness. And something amazing happened because women weren't made to carry that role. Do you know that God doesn't hold women accountable for the spiritual welfare of the family? Listen what happened. God, Adam tried to shuck everything else over onto Eve and God would not even allow uh, Adam to make Eve the responsible. God said, Adam, where are you? Adam, what have you done? He said, well, the woman did. Well, you should have covered the woman. You should have stood up in what you know is right. 
God held Adam accountable for what happened in the garden. Are you with me? All right. And so there's that accountability. As men, I need to understand that. But nobody teaches us the accountability that is on our life. But here's what happened. The devil knows that when we don't walk in right authority, it opens up a whole door for him. And we just give him a giant playground to operate in destruction over the family and over the home. But we can slam the door on the devil when men rise up in godly authority. Can you say amen? But we have to be able to be taught. What does it mean to be a godly man? And then men willing to go, uh, willing to go with Paul and be taught by him is what Timothy was. Go with me to Acts 16. Are you doing all right? Acts chapter 16. I found out today the unpopular messages are the ones we need the most. What's the most popular current word out there today? Probably not the one that's going to make an eternal difference in your life. Amen. Acts chapter 16, look at verses 1 and 3. And, when, and then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to have him go with him, and he took him and circumcised him and because, of, because of the Jews who were in that region, and they all knew that his father was a Greek. So that's why I said earlier, here Timothy has a father who is a Greek. He is not a believer. The, his, the parents have become believers, but this young man's been raised up. He's got a heart for God, living for God. And Paul said, there's a young man that God can use and begins to mentor him and raise him up and take him along his side and begins to teach him. And Timothy submitted and followed that teaching. So what happened? We need men who are willing to become students first and then teachers. Can you say Amen. And then next, we need men willing to be taught by themselves. So we have to be teachable. We have to be taught by others, but we also have to be taught by ourselves. What does that mean? Self-study is an important part of preparing to teach. Every man, look up here at me. Guys, you have to have a devotional life. You have to love this word. You have to know that this word is the most valuable resource in your life. you got to find time to get into this. Come on, if you can memorize uh, uh, who's first in whatever sport's being played, if you know all the statistics if you know who's going to the playoff you know that you're putting time and you have a good memory you remember everything you want to remember amen I do I forget the things I don't want to remember Amen. Uh, and so we're busy and all that, but uh, we can memorize the word. What's amazing is but w- when we start using the word, the word has a rejuvenating power to it. The word rejuvenates our mind. It energizes our mind. I, it makes my mind fresher and quicker and sharper. Amen. When I just give myself to the Word. So spending time in the Word. There's so many things out there today. I'm, I'm going through the, 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 the Bible reading app, and, and it's making me read my whole Bible through this year. In fact, this is the first time I've read my Bible through several times and studying and doing everything. But to read it through every day on a Bible reading plan, this is the first time in my walk that I've done that. So I'm going through doing that this year. But then I know, wait a minute, i got to read or else I don't get my check mark. Amen, on my app. So there's apps out there. There's so many things out there to help us walk with God and live for God and then to ho- even to hold us accountable and finding time. Are you listening to me? So easy to do. So we do that. See, the Bible says in Ezra, in fact, go with me to Ezra chapter 7. This is good. 
Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10. It says, And Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances to Israel. Get that. So Ezra said, I'm going to prepare my heart. I'm going to get God's word in my heart. And then I'm going to teach you. The psalmist said it like this, Lord, teach me your word and, and, and instruct me. I believe in Psalm 51. Then I will teach transgressors your way. So we have to have that desire to be taught by others, but also to be teaching ourselves, to be hiding God's word in our heart, to be storing that up. So think about it. Men who do not wait for others to teach them, but also study on their own. Or in other words, men who take advantage of every opportunity to learn, whether it be at the feet of someone else or in the privacy of their own study. They love the truth that much. I love God's truth that much. That we just want to put ourselves into it. Therefore, they're able to see what God needs and who He needs. See, we get the Word of God down on the inside of us, and we're able to be taught by others, and we're teaching ourselves. We're building upon that line upon line, precept upon precept. It helps our eyes to see what God needs to be done in the earth and who He needs to get it done. And He leads and directs us in the right path to people and with people. Can you say amen? And then thirdly, not only does God need faithful men and teachable men, He needs teaching men or men willing to teach other men. Unless men are willing to teach others, God's method won't work. So Paul said, Timothy, find yourself some faithful men and commit these two to them. But it doesn't stop there. It's not just getting men and pouring into them. It's like on Saturday mornings at our men's breakfast. We pour things into people, and we get that and through the, over the years with discipleship. And I keep encouraging you guys, hey, get together with one another, helping one another. How I many you know the Bible says iron sharpens iron? Amen. And so when two guys get together, we're going to teach each other. We're going to help each other. We need to do that and build relationships that make that happen. Unless men are willing to teach others, God's message just won't work. Again, Timothy provides a good example. What he learned from Paul, he was willing to tell others. And we can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. Paul could depend upon him to teach others. That's why I said, Timothy, hey, teach these things to other men. In fact, 1 Timothy, if you want to go back there to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3 says, As I urged you when I sent you to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So Paul's actually telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, not only are you going to teach, but you're going to say, teach the true stuff, teach the right stuff. Amen. That's why you hear me say about the bracelet that I wear. In fact, I was laughing because uh, we were, uh, uh, Cody was up last weekend and he'd been saving up and believing, so he's getting a new car. So we're there and he's buying his car and the salesman's going, hey, uh, uh, he started talking to us, and he saw my bracelet. He goes, well, what's your bracelet stand for? He goes, I used to wear one that says, you know, what would Jesus do? I said, this is kind of along the same line, but it stands for what does the Word say? Because I meet a lot of people that have a lot of great ideas, and I go, man, that's a great thought. That's a great idea, but what's the Word say? And that's what Paul's telling Timothy. He says, hey, 
There's a lot of things out there, but I set you there to make sure that what people are believing, what people are teaching is what the Word of God says. Can you say amen? And God needs men. Hear me, men. God needs men like you and me that are willing to stand up. Now, the hard part is, in our culture, you're being told everybody's supposed to like you. Can I give you a heads up? You've had some days when you don't like yourself. If you have days when you don't like yourself, it's probably pretty sure that there's going to be days when other people don't like you. Amen? And there's no, there is absol- there's no way to make everybody happy without ever having... Ev- How can I say this? You will never be able to make everybody happy. You will never be able to go through life without offending anybody. I've taken this stand. If people are going to be upset at me, at least let them be upset because I refuse to compromise the truth. And so God needs men who will stand up and say, hey, I refuse to be a man of compromise. In fact, it was amazing. When we went to Bieber, I'm being asked, they're asking me to come preach at their church. They don't believe anything that I believe. We're... we're diametrically opposed in our doctrine. I believe God still does everything. They don't think he does anything. I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues. They think tongues is of the devil, literally. And so I'm preaching for them. And after eight weeks, I said, hey, you guys need to make a decision. I said, this is what I will do. If you want me to come and be your pastor, this is what I'll tell you. I am not here to make you what I am. But I'll make you this promise. I will never compromise God's word. I will preach you the word and the word only. They voted me in 100%. Next thing you know, they're all speaking in tongues. Amen. It was awesome. We're having miracles. We're having all kinds of stuff happening. Because the word works. But at the same time, there are people that weren't very very comfortable with that but I would rather have people be upset at me for standing for the truth than compromise so I could have compromised with them to be accepted by them are you hearing me but instead of doing that choosing to stand take a stand for truth that's what God needs he needs men like that are you with me as the worship team comes back watch it and so men men and so teaching others makes one faith when we teach others we make uh, that makes us a faithful minister. God needs men who do, not keep the, who do not only keep the truth they love to themselves, but share it with others. And then he needs men willing to teach according to their abilities. Not everyone serves as a teacher in a formal sense. Not everybody's going to, you're not going to stand up in front of people. You're not going to teach. But every day, listen, those statistics say every day we're either teaching or not teaching our children how to live. Every day we're teaching somebody. Every day somebody's looking at you. Somebody's following you. People on jobs, every place we're teaching. So take advantage of whatever venue God sets you in. Everyone should be able to teach others something, which was Hebrews 12 says, by this time you ought to be teachers. 512. Men have different abilities. Even so, those who serve with their hands can teach others how to do so. I think it's interesting that President Trump is wanting to bring back vocational school. How many guys took woodshop? Man, we have some guys that don't know a flathead screwdriver from a Phillips screwdriver today. Hey, Ben, how do you change a light bulb? I don't know. Start turning to the left. It'll come out. Hallelujah. 
Amen. But I mean, there's so many things. God, they don't know how to, how to change. I, I think it's sad. There, there's a whole commercial out there for, for a car insurance company. And they're bragging on the fact that, and so it's a mom, it's a mom standing there with their son, not a dad, a mom standing with their son. I'm thankful for Liberty Insurance because they were there when my son had a flat tire. You mean you let him drive and never told him how to change a tire? No, I got insurance to be to fill up the void of the father. And then you got the the other the poor other kid who's having to play stupid and they're holding up a nail puller and going, is this a lug wrench? Well, I think so. And so you got, are you listening to me? Come on, you know what that is? That is a commercial that is an indictment against the breakdown of the home and what the devil has been able to do because God needs men of God to be fathers in the houses. Amen. And so we rise up. Say, Pastor, what are you doing? I'm on a hunt for men. Men of God, men ready to rise up in this day and this hour and go to a new level. So think about that. Men who teach whatever skills and abilities they may have. I got a kick out of my son Cody now that he's grown up, has his own job, his own, own place, and living all that stuff. And when he's grown up, I try to teach him, oh, I'm going to make a lot of money and learn how to do that myself. Now that he's making money, he's a tightwad. <laughs> Amen. So he gets this idea, Dad, I, I, I want, I, I, I want a, a, a desk. If, if, will you help me build a desk? I said, you buy the stuff, get the plan. And he goes, yeah, this is that father time you always wanted with me. <laughs> so I said, hey, you want to come out and learn how to do this? No, I'm good. I said, all right, you'll need this one these days. Amen. So we're, we're catching up. Praise the Lord. So what's our conclusion? For the gospel to spread and the Lord's church to grow, God needs the right kind of men. Men who are faithful, men who are teachable, men who will teach. In other words, men willing to serve the Lord. Amen? And life changes, opportunities change, but always make yourself available to serve. Have an appetite. This, this need not be limited to those of just male gender. Don't, I know I am talking a lot about men, but ladies, don't miss it. Paul also wrote to Titus, said, Titus, teach the older women to teach the younger. We need to be teaching our generation that's rising up behind us. We need women speaking into young women's lives. Amen? Helping them, securing them, being standards and role models for them. This need is not limited just to men. Young women, we need young women who are willing to learn from the older and women willing to serve the Lord. Let me close with these verses. In whatever way that is keeping with our abilities and God's will, everyone should be both a student and a teacher. The psalmist said it like this. Listen to these three passages of Scripture there in your outline. A posterity shall serve him, meaning children, the next generation. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare His righteousness to a people who will be born. And so we're supposed to perpetuate and to pass it on. And fathers lead in this role. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power to everyone who is to come. In Psalm 145, one generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Guys, hear me this morning. God needs us to be men of God more than ever before. Think about what Jesus did. He calls men 
And then he commissions them and sends them out. He spends three and a half years with a handful of men, knowing that if I can get men to rise up and to step in this role that I created them for, my kingdom will expand throughout the whole earth. Amen. And there's an amazing thing. This is what happened. The world has lied to us. We are not a male and female society. We are men and women that are joined together to become one. One. As long as we allow the world, marriage and marriage to become one. In Christ, to become You are one man in Christ. When you are in Christ, God doesn't see you and see Jesus. That's why the Bible says you're seated with Him and you are seated in Him in heavenly places. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Your identity is in Him. When men and women get married, their identity is in who they are together, not who they are individually. The devil is the great divider. And he separates. And when men are men of God, a woman is allowed to be a woman of God. And together they are one man in Christ. And the home is the strongest when we are one together. Can you say amen? And, and, and so the, the role, when we have those roles and, and we function, and people function at their highest level of productivity, efficiency, satisfaction, and joy when every person standing in their rightful role, fulfilling their responsibility. Stand with me this morning. Amen. This is my altar call without exception. I want every man right up here right now. Come on. Every man in the house come right up here this morning. Hallelujah. God created you as a man. God created you as a man. As a man. God destined you to be a man, ordained you to be a man. And in that ordination, He ordained you to be a man of God. A man that would carry His image, be a bearer of His likeness, would reflect His glory, would somebody He could reveal Himself to in the earth, that He could make Himself known through your life. And there's a mandate on our life to live up to that. And it's not a hard thing to do. It's an easy thing to do. It just says, God, I'll be your man. Look for it. The Bible says that the eyes of the Lord, think about this. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole herd. That he might find a man on whose behalf he can show himself strong. God said, I'm just looking for a man in the earth. I'm just looking for a man who will raise his hand and say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Look, look, look at what Isaiah said. He gets a vision. He's caught up into heaven. Isaiah said, I, I, I saw the Lord. He is high and lifted up. And His train filled the temple. And Isaiah is there in heaven. And the Lord is saying, who will go for me? Who will go? And Isaiah just volunteers. Here I am, Lord. Send me. And when we as men just raise our hand. Say, God, here am I. 
Let me give it to you like this. God made each one of us unique. He didn't make you a copy of anybody. He's not asking you to be like anybody. He made you so unique, so special, so qualified to do what only you can do. He created you to do something specific. So today I just want to pray over you as men. I believe right here. Man, I wish I could preach this in second service. But right here, I believe that we can start something right here in our church. This nucleus right here, that that you men stand right, we can be a catalyst that will ignite something in our church, in our community, that could spread out from here. That that could bring so much restoration, so much healing, and, and, and so much just breakthrough into families, into home, into so many areas. If we, just this group of men right here, say, I'm a man of God.